This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Church, we're so glad you've joined us today. Come on out, Nancy, that'd be great. I got my, Nancy's helped me as she's my little production elf today. She's like, don't go on camera. Uh, we're really glad you've joined us today. Happy New Year, Church. And uh, we know that we have our church joining us online. That's uh, a different way to start the year. We've never started a year this way. And uh, we're, it's a privilege to be able to come into your living room, wherever you're watching this today, uh, and to see you, church. It's really good to see you. And uh, we also know our church has grown globally during this last year. Uh, what started as a trial has turned into so much blessing even in it that we have people all over the country um, and even around the world. And we're really glad you've joined us today for church. We hope you had a great Christmas. Hope you had a great holidays as we've come into the brand new year. And uh, we spent the holidays trying to just slow down and relax. If there was ever a year we needed it, it was this one. And my wife is just a fanatic for like competition, board games. So we spent much of the holidays playing games like catchphrase and like charades. And I'm happy to say, standing here today, I went undefeated. My teams, my teams, went undefeated in catchphrase all Christmas. Nancy's teams, not so much. But you know, that's sometimes just the way, the way that goes. And I'm getting looks from my wife even here uh, today. She uh, she's, wants to come on camera and defend herself, but only undefeated champions are allowed to be on the screen right now. So, um, however you spent your Christmas, we're glad you're joining us today. A new year. And I'm one of those guys, right at the start, just want to tell you, I just think New Year's is awesome. I think the start of a new year is a fantastic time. And there's a natural motivation with it. The gyms are usually filled this time of year. There's a natural, all the posts of New Year, New Me, and diets, and workout, and finances. And I happen to love, I'm here for all of it. I love it all because I need all the help I can get, and I'm thankful for the natural motivation. And as a church, uh, I'm excited for what God has next for us this year that is dripping full of potential. We're going to wring it out. Everything God has for us, there's going to be so much laughter. There will be tears. There will be great victories. There will be defeats. And whatever this year has, we are convinced that God is with us. And all over this city, we have billboards gone up this last week and bus shelters that say, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. And uh, it's not just a catchy hype thing. It's a Bible thing. And we believe that God is for us. Today, as I get started, would you do me a favor? Would you find something to write something down? I'm going to ask you three questions today. And you're not going to share these with me or anyone else, but I want you to write them down for yourself. It might be on your phone, maybe a moleskin notebook. I love uh, pen and paper. But somewhere, can you just find something? In a few minutes, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. So if you need to right now, just go find something uh, and just get ready to write it down because I want us to reflect and prepare as we start this year. If you have a Bible today, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 15. Uh, you're going to see it on the screen in a moment. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, as we start this uh, new year uh, and God is with us today, I want to encourage you today. It's good news. If you're wondering how this is going to go, it's the same as every other week. It's good news. The gospel literally means good news. So no matter where you find yourself today watching this, no matter what stage of life you're in, I want you to know that God has good news for you. And the good news is that he is for you, not against you. 
He wants to pick you up. He wants to help you. He wants to launch you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to correct you. He is for us today. It's good news. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, source of hope. People are looking for hope, man. Just where can I get hope? And I love that, that the scripture says very clearly, where do we get hope? Because everybody wants hope, but you got to go to the source. And that's why we have these billboards all over our city. You'll see them on our social media. And if you live in Halifax, you'll see them on bus shelters and on billboards. Get your hopes up. Where does that hope come from? Does it come from a vaccine? Doesn't. Doesn't come from a government. Doesn't come from a preacher. Doesn't come from a paycheck. The Bible says right here, I pray that God, the source of hope, be encouraged today. You've started this year tuning in, and we believe that God's going to help us today, and we believe that we will flow in this source of hope. It says the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace. Those are good things we need this year, isn't it? The God of hope is going to fill us with joy and peace. If I asked you what you want this year to be filled up, I guarantee somewhere in there you would want joy and peace. That's a great combo. Those are the sons of thunder right there. Those are amazing combos, joy and peace, because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope. Hope just got an upgrade. There's hope, then there's confident hope. And it says when you trust in him, you're going to overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning, for the next few minutes, I just want to encourage you on this topic, on this title today for this, this, this next short while, as we start this year, I Just Ate. Some of you are like, that is so true, preacher. That is so true. I Some of you are still eating right now as I'm speaking. Some of you are eating right now your pancakes. Some of you are eating leftover KFC. There's no judgment. I'm not judging your journey. But just the next few minutes, I just ate. Come on, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, that you're with us. I thank you, God, that you are the source of hope. And today we choose to let hope overflow. We, let cho we choose to let hope overtake our doubts, our past, our apprehension, maybe even our fears. God, would you just overflow right now in every home, through every screen, even in this space right now, overflow with confident hope. Father, we love you so much. Father, we're thankful for this church. We're thankful for your goodness. Amen. Amen. We love you, church. We're so glad you've tuned in today. I don't know if you heard this yet, but I am undefeated. I'm undefeated in board games this Christmas. So, uh, again, pray for Nancy if you can. I have a confession today I want to make, and if you know me, it's not a big confession. It's no, it's no surprise to you if you know me. Uh, but if you don't know me, I feel like I need you to know this today, is I don't like to eat. I don't like to eat. You know that saying, some people say, like, some people eat to live and others live to eat. I would, I would be on the category of I eat to live. I don't like to eat. I find it boring. I find it boring. I like food. Please don't mistake that. I don't have any unhealthy eating habits. I actually probably have some, but, like, I, I eat. I eat, and I'm not, uh, I just don't, I, I don't like eating. I like food. I'm the least fussy eater you will ever meet. I will try anything. I like vegetables. I like meat. We're trying not to eat meat as a family. We're trying to try to make some health choices. But there's pretty much, I'll eat anything. I'm not fussy. I like mustard. I like mayo. I like ketchup. I like hot sauce. I like it. I'm not fussy. I like food. I just don't like eating. 
I find it's a waste of time. If I could just never eat again, I'd be happy. I, someone was trying to understand this, and I said, you know when you, you go to get gas in your car, like your, your, your gas gauge is on empty, and you're like, like no one enjoys getting fuel into their car, do you? Like most people aren't looking forward to that. It's not something that you Instagram or you Facebook or like you put it in your phone, like I'm excited about this, hashtag fuel up, you know? Like, like it's like you put it off as long as you can. Am I the only one? Like I have a car that tells me how many kilometers I have left, how many miles, until it's getting, and I push that thing right to the limit. Or I'll be like, it's too cold. I'm not going to get gas right now. It's too rainy. I'm not going to get gas right now. I'm going to wait till later. Or if I'm doing it, I'll just put enough in, like 10 bucks in, just enough to get me through the next day. Why? Because I'm busy. I got things to do. Uh, I find it boring. I feel the exact same way about eating. I just think, like, I don't have time for this. I'll do it later. I'll eat enough so I don't pass out. <laughs> you know, like, that's the way I feel about food. This Christmas, we were at my mom's house, and there was limit on numbers, and being the favorite child my mother has, I'm just making a whole bunch of enemies today in my family, but being the favorite uh, child in my family, my mother invited me and my family over for Christmas dinner. Uh, that's not true, but that's the way I like to believe it. But we went over there, and my mom had amazing, and she had turkey and all the Newfoundland trimmings, and it was awesome. But I had this habit. Mom has this, this little bowl of bubble gum. Now... This is another confession. If you don't know me, you need to know this, and you might judge me, and I'm okay if you feel like you need to leave our church over this statement, but I swallow every piece of gum I ever put in my mouth, always. And I know the rumors that it stays in your stomach for seven years. It's not true. I can't tell you how I know that, but just know that I know, and I don't want to explain it, but it does not last that long. And, but I go into her house. Every time I go in, I grab a handful of gum. And Christmas was no different. Came in an hour before the meal. We're hanging out. And I'm just eating gum because I'm bored. And I like chewing gum. And I like swallowing gum. I like the taste of gum. And then when Christmas meal came, we sat down. We got the plates. And we got gravy and stuffing. And we got cabbage. And we got potatoes. And we got turkey and cranberry. It's amazing. And I realized as I sat there that I was full. <laughs> this meal that my mother had been working on that my wife was like, this is going to be so amazing. We're looking forward to it. Even I was looking forward to the atmosphere as I sat there in front of this amazing meal. I realized I can't eat. I can't, I'm full. I just ate. Now, it was a handful of gum, mind you, but I had just ate. You ever do that? You ever, maybe you're on your way home before you eat a family supper and you stop for a Big Mac? Just me? Okay. Maybe you had a late latte. Maybe... You're going somewhere and you didn't realize they were going to be eating at this meeting. And you're like, hey, I, I'd like to, but I have no more room. I am literally stuffed. I can't eat. I just ate. I feel like we do that a lot with God. I don't know about you, but you're probably similar to me. I feel like when I'm in this environment, it might be a live stream. It might be an in-person church service. Maybe it's devotional. Maybe it's when I, I open God's word and I sit down and the Bible says that man cannot live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that this is not just uh, ink to paper. It's not just uh, words. It's actually food that feeds us, that it fills us, that it brings us nourishment and life. And so many times in a church service or a live stream or in a small group or in my own devotions, I sit down to eat knowing God has something for me, know that he's prepared a table for me. I have no argument that I know it's good for me. I know that I need it. 
I know that it was prepared with the most love and grace ever, but I get to the table and I feel full. And I go, if I'm honest, I just ate. I already ate. Filled myself with entertainment. Filled myself with streaming services. Filled myself with other reading. Filled myself with just stuff. Some of it's not even bad. Some of it might not be the most healthy. Some of it might be healthy. But when I come down to sit at a place that God's prepared for me, put the time just for me. It's my own custom chef of what I need. A little bit of conviction, a lot of encouragement, a whole bunch of faith. And he makes something for me, prepares a, a feast. And so many times I come into God's presence already full going, Whew, man, I just, I'd like to but my attention can't stay here because I'm full. It's amazing at Christmas dinner when everybody else is eating, I get distracted by other things. Why? Because I'm not eating because I'm full. I just ate. Here's the truth. In my 45, almost 46 years on earth, in my really over three decades of faith journey, of my own faith journey, whether you're new in the church, you've been around for a while, everything comes down to everything. You know, we got new people coming into the faith and they're excited and they're figuring things out. We got veterans and people that have been around for a long time that know more than I do. They, they have a, a, a longevity. People are so mature. Even today you would have met, even in our intro, Phil today, a real mature, wise, uh, strong uh, person of the faith, been, been in, the, in this journey for a while. Whether you've been in for a while or you're new to the faith, I want to let you know this is the secret. You ready? This is what you need to know. This, is, this really is the one thing you need to know about your faith. It all comes down to appetite. Everything comes down to appetite. And so many times we start this journey hungry for God. We've never had this kind of food before of forgiveness and grace and hope of divine connection. And we are on, on it like a hungry man on a Christmas ham. And we're just after it. And then after a while, we start filling ourselves with other things. And in my own life, the battle I have, the fight that I'm in, the thing I'm always navigating is my appetite for the things of God. And so many times, if I'm honest, I sit down in God's presence, whether it be alone or with friends. Even today, I'm navigating it as the worship team's worshiping and I'm preparing to encourage you is what's my hunger level today? Am I hungry for God in his presence? Knowing that there's miracles available, knowing that there is grace available, knowing that there is forgiveness that I so need, knowing that there is faith that I so need, or am I so full of stuff that there's no hunger in my life? Here's what you need to know is that hunger is the currency of heaven. Hunger is the currency of heaven. Gold doesn't work in heaven. In fact, the, the Bible says that the streets are paved with gold. American money doesn't work. Kenyan shillings don't work. Canadian dollar doesn't work. Even your shoppers' uh, points don't, your optimum points do not work in heaven. Do you know what actually causes a transaction with the divine, with the unseen? The Bible says it very clearly that hunger is the currency of heaven. Church, as we lean into this year, we start, we're starting this year, I want to just remind you that heaven has something for you today. God has something for me and my teenagers, and my wife, and my life. He has something for you and the journey you're on. And the exchange, hunger, is a part of it. It says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Let me read this in the, 
in the NIV version. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You see that? If you're hungry, God says, I'll fill you. That's the key for that currency. You want that exchange? You want to be filled? We just read it. Filled with confident hope, overflowing with joy and peace. How do you be, get that kind of hope? More than a billboard, more than a screen. How do you get that kind of hope? The Bible says really clear. Blessed are those that are hungry because they will be filled. It says this in Matthew 7, 7 in the NLT version. It says, keep on asking. Do you hear the hunger in that? I have a 14-year-old daughter who's really good at keep asking when she wants something. She's in the room. I'm trying not to make eye contact with her, but when she wants something, she'll ask me or Nancy over and over and over, and, and no is just another chance for her to ask again. And there's a hunger there to get her way. There's a hunger there to get an opportunity. There's a hunger there. The Bible says, keep on asking, and you will receive. What you ask for, keep on seeking. There's a desperation, a hunger there, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. Church, as we start this year, whether you've been in this for a while or you're new, I want you to be aware of that everything starts with appetite. I think about the trouble we get into, it starts with an appetite for the wrong things. I think about the success that we would define in our lives. It starts somewhere with an appetite. You know what? That's it. This is the year I get in shape, or this is the year I get a budget and get online, get, get in line financially. This is the year I make sure I have healthy communication with my marriage or with my friends. And everything that we achieve starts with an appetite. Let me ask you today a couple questions. I want you to hope you have a pen and paper or maybe you have a, note, a phone on a notes app or something. I want you to ask these questions to yourself. You're not going to show anyone else. You're not going to submit them. You're not going to put them online. I just want you to reflect on this today. Here's the first question I want to ask you. is Where do you need God to intervene in your life this year? Where do you need God to intervene in your life this year? It's an honest question. Taking off maybe our professional church face of, how you doing, brother? I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Put that aside for a minute. We all need God to intervene in our life somewhere. Hey, couples, how's your marriage? You wonder how your marriage is? Ask your spouse. <laughs> Ask your spouse, one to ten. I, not right now. Ask your spouse, hey, one to ten. What would you, how would you say our marriage is doing? Ten being the best, one being the worst. Maybe you need God to intervene in your marriage. Maybe it's, maybe it's your direction. Maybe you're just thinking, I just feel aimless right now. God, I need some direction. Do I apply for that course? Do I go for that job? Do I go back to school after 30 years in the same career? Do I move to try to find new opportunity? Do I stay where I am? Is it direction you need? Where do you need God to intervene? Maybe it's relationships. Maybe you got people close to you that aren't doing well physically. Diseases eating their body and there's stuff going on. You're like, you know what? I'd, I'd give up everything, houses and cars and status. And I don't care about travel. If I could just have a family member, if God would just step in and heal. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe you've got somebody in your family that's far from God and there's tension there and you see them making choices every day that is taking them down and you wish you could just grab them and shake them into common sense and bring them back into God's presence. And God, how many nights have you gone to sleep saying, God, just do something. If 
for that loved one. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a spouse. I don't know. It's a question. We'll write it down. Where do you need God to intervene? I have places in my life I need God to intervene. Second question I want to ask you is, how hungry are you for God right now? Now, be honest. No one's going to see this. You're going to be tempted to want to go. If someone saw this number, man, I lead worship at my church. I'm the pastor at my church. I've been in this faith thing for five years, 20 years. My num- be honest. Just between you and God. He already knows the answer, but just between you and him. From one to ten. Ten being, man, I'm so hungry. Like, man, I'm just craving God. I want God's presence. I want God's goodness in my life. I want to I I read this and apply it to my life. I, I want God's best for my life. One being, I just ate. Not really hungry. I think it's good. I'm obviously, I've tuned into a live stream. I believe this. I love God. I'm just not hungry for God. How hungry are you for God right now? One to ten. Write that number down. How hungry are you? I heard this quote a few years ago. And I can't shake it. It's talking about hunger, because hunger is everything. Appetites is everything in this faith journey. Everything. And sometimes we think it's about setting up for church or managing portfolios or job descriptions or practices for worship teams or messages or budgets or COVID protocol and government news. We can think it's all that, but if I'm honest, we got to strip this away. It doesn't matter what you have. It comes back down to an appetite for the things of God heard this quote and said this. It said, when I'm not hungry for God, it's usually because I'm full of myself. I don't know about you. That hits me right where I live. Now, I don't think I'm a conceited person, but I say full of myself. I'm full of my worries, my plans, my concerns, my schedule, my likes. I can't wait to watch that show. I can't wait to go on that run. I can't wait to maybe someday travel to that place. I wonder how I'm going to figure out this problem, and I get consumed in my world that I'm responsible for and my schedule and every calendar notification that comes up on my phone that you have a meeting here and meet this person there and the goals I want to achieve and the things I have to do. And when I'm so full of my own life and schedule and thoughts, I'm not hungry for God. There's only two ways to grow hunger that I know of, and there might be more. But this is what I think is the only two ways to grow hunger in my life physically and spiritually. And one is to remove, and the second is to move. The only two ways to grow hunger that I know of is you remove something or you move something. Let me explain. Remove something is to stop eating. That's the only way you can grow I promise you, if you don't go to the counter for fishy crackers... Yes, I'm looking at my 16-year-old son. If you don't go for that huge, he doesn't even get a bowl. He gets a bucket of fishy crackers. We buy them. We buy them by the gallon now. I'm not even sure how big of a gallon is. I'm Canadian. But he buys a lot of, we get a lot of fishy crackers. But if you stop eating soon, you will become hungry. One way to grow hunger is to remove things. The other thing is to move. I've learned this, that if I get busy with activity, if I do exercise, if I get going, running and gunning, it builds up an appetite. It doesn't matter how much gum I have in my system. Doesn't matter how much turkey I have in my system. If I go walking or running, if I'm raking, if I'm mowing, if I'm going up and down stairs after a while, even without removing anything, I will get hungry. Remove or move. Bible calls removing fasting, or maybe um, moving will be reaching out. I've realized this in my faith that the more I use what God's given me, the more I need. 
You know what really, really helps is when you are hands-on in this activity called faith. Believing for people, counseling people, praying for people, reaching people. This Christmas, man, we, did, we had an opportunity as a church to do so much. When you actually go and live your faith, faith without works is dead. Works do not get you to heaven. But when you have faith, it overflows into works. And when you're leading worship and praying for people and serving the poor and loving on people and reaching out, it builds an appetite going, God, I've used everything you've given me. I need some more. Nothing drives me to hunger more than using what he's already given me. There's only two ways to grow hunger physically. It's the same spiritually. Remove something or do something or move somewhere. Here's a third question I want to ask you today. We talked about your hunger. We talked about where do you want God to intervene. Last question today I want to ask you is, is where, what do you need to remove from your diet? Now, I'm not talking physically. I'm not talking keto or vegans or or the Atkins diet, or the South Beach diet, is that still a thing? I'm not talking about protein or carbs, or I'm not talking about vegetable. I'm not talking about physical food right now. The question is, what do you need to remove from your diet? What goes in here and what goes in here? What do you need to remove? Not what goes in here, though that is a part of it. The Bible talks about fasting. What do you need to remove from your diet? Fasting, really, the Bible talks a lot about fasting, and some of you have been fasting, fasting for a long time. Uh, you fasting, you're fasting right now, fasting. Uh, but fasting, really, all it is is a physical way to make room for your, that translates to a spiritual connection, that it brings you back down to your basic cravings going, I know I need something, and it causes you to get out of that slump, to get out of that contentment, to get out of that comfortable and to push into God it causes you to focus in. Fasting is one of those ways. And then with fasting is you then introduce the right diet or source. And the hungrier you get, the more you pray. And you fast. I know people that fast for weeks and some every week they fast a day. Some fast for weeks and some even longer. So many people in the start of the year do fasting. And there's parts of my life where I'll do fasting to get back down to a core level of what am I really hungry for? Because so many times, physically and spiritually, I had this feeling of, I just ate. I can't. And it's all about making room. How do you make room in your life? How do you remove something? You can move to get exercise, or you can remove something. So I'm talking to you, church, today, as we believe that God has something for us this year. I think we could agree that God's plan is better than our plan, that he has more for us and better things for us than we can find on Netflix or Disney Plus or at the gym, and those things aren't bad. But I believe that if you've tuned in here to agree, we we can probably agree that there is more for us in God than for us on our own. So how do you make room today? I always think of the same two things, displacement and emptying. Displacement and emptying. How else do you make room? And I always go back to the same analogy of a pool in someone's living in someone's house, uh, in their backyard. When you have a pool... You, there's two things you can do. The first thing is displacement. We always have that one friend or that one uncle. For me, it's my brother-in-law, Gary, that he doesn't just wade into a pool. He doesn't go over to the ladder and climb. Look at this. It's like a mime. Climb down into a pool. Gary only gets into a pool one way. Cannonball. That's the only way Gary gets into a pool. And when Gary, in all his glory, cannonballs into a pool, water gets displaced. The water that was in there gets displaced. You know what? God does that in my life and your life at times. We call it displacement. 
you're in that pool, you're the owner of that pool, you're not trying to empty the pool, you're not trying to manually empty it, literally out of nowhere, this hairy man in his 50s does a cannonball into your pool and water is gone. There are kids out of the pool flying. Kids are hanging from trees with their floaties and their, their armbands. Why? Because when Uncle Gary entered the pool, the force of his entrance caused everything else to exit. That's displacement. Sometimes God will just invade your life. He doesn't need your permission. God doesn't need your invitation. There are moments that we call in church life, I got wrecked by God. Man, God just showed up. Man, God just, man, God just, I feel God's presence. Man, what just happened? I've been in services where God just showed up. It wasn't the song list. It wasn't the sermon. It wasn't the lighting. God just showed up. And man, I'm just, something just changed here. My lack of focus, gone. My, 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 my fullness from just too much streaming services, gone. My selfishness, gone. And God just showed up and wrecked the place in the best way possible. God can do that. You know that? This year, man, God's wrecked me a few times. Well, I just showed up, man, blessed me, convicted me, encouraged me. But I've also learned that most times when I make room in my life, it's not displacement of God just showing up and just doing what he wants. It's the other way. Displacement's one way, but the other way is empty. I know these pool owners, friends of mine, and they empty their pool and they have a little hose and they, they get a pump and they empty it. It takes hours and they slowly make room in that pool to shut it down for winter. That is what our life is. If you want to make room for God this year, God can show up anytime he wants. He can invade you. He, he doesn't need your permission to come in. Some of you right now, God's coming into your living room and you didn't know what you were tuning into today. You just thought, saw a Facebook link. You saw a YouTube link and you feel God's presence and you feel like hope is invading. You feel like you're overflowing with joy and peace and you weren't looking for God. You weren't seeking God. You were already full, but God made room. But for most of us, to create an appetite for God so when we pull up to the table and we want that peace, we want that joy, we want that confident hope. I love that, confident hope. Pull up to that table and go, so full with posting my highlights from 2020 on Instagram. Listen, no one wants to see your fireworks pictures. No one looks at them. They just go past them. So full of making my schedule. So full of making my plans. But if I learn to empty myself, I pull up to that table in my devotions or in services like this, and there's this hunger. There's this ache. There's this groan of God. Unless you show up Unless you fill me with your spirit, unless I am starving right now, and I don't know if I'm going to make it to the next day, I don't know if I'm going to have the strength. Our live stream is not going to save anyone. Billboards, love billboards, not going to save anyone. This TV, these designs, our hunger is not in what we bring to the table. He is our appetite and what God wants to feed us. I want to encourage you today to make room. 2021 is full of potential. But here's what I've realized. Unless potential is realized, what was once potential becomes regret. Every hockey rink is full of them. These men, women, 
sitting around going, I could have been. Man, they told me when I was 15, I had potential. Potential to be in the NHL, potential to be a CEO of a business, potential to be academia, to be at this level. And potential is one thing, but if not realized, they're the same people later on in life going, you know, you know I was scouted, eh? They said I could have been. They said I had so much potential. And potential, if not realized, becomes regret. This year, as we start, is so full of potential. Can you feel it? Miracles. There is potential for miracles. There's potential for so much growth in your life your spirit and your faith and your grit there's so much potential for healing relationally oh God you have so much potential for our churches for our marriages for your singleness for our kids for our businesses so much potential but we could go to December next year this year at the end of this year and go man I have regrets the difference is hunger we talk about it a lot, but we started running this year. It's one thing we did for ourselves physically. Being coached how to run, learning how to run. I didn't know how to run. And this is what I learned in running, in my limited running, is that your first kilometer should always be your slowest. I didn't know that. Your last kilometer, if you're running 5K, 10K, should be your fastest. Your first one should be your slowest. Why? Because you need to climatize and warm up figure out the rhythm of what your body's feeling. Church, this is the first kilometer of a 12-kilometer run. It's called January. And we're starting it slow, intentionally. It's going to be our slowest kilometer of the whole year. Man, in December, we're going to be feeding people, loving people, reaching people. We're going to hopefully have big Christmas experiences, and we're going to be reaching people with food and gifts and love and helping people with finances and proclaiming Jesus and hopefully we'll have just be going full speed. Easter, oh, Easter's going to be a fast. That month, it's going to be fast. This month, we're just going to warm up and build our appetite and empty ourselves and make room for God for what he has for us. Let me read this again. This is what God promises when you come to his table. We come with the appetite, and he does the cooking. And it's home cooking. Our home of heaven, it's so good. This is what God's cooking. Pray that God, the source of hope, that's what he's making today for you. Hope will fill you completely. Seconds and thirds, it's a buffet. You just keep going. Fill you completely with joy and peace. Do you need joy today? Sad? Do you feel this weight of darkness around you, this heaviness? It's like a fog you can't get through. It's like a coat you can't shake off. You feel heavy today? You need some joy? You thought that shopping spree would do it, didn't? You thought that new show would renew its season? Didn't do it? You thought that raise would? Didn't do it. But God says he wants to fill you completely with joy and peace. Peace, are you tormented today? Is your mind racing? Anxiety ridden in your body? Are you having conversations with people in your head? Arguments? Are you just, are you, are you tormented today? Come up to his table. Oh man, he's got the best peace. Can't understand how good it is. That's how his peace. 
It says that you will overflow in confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, get your hopes up and get your hunger up. Here's what we're asking you to do, church. Next 21 days, we're going to start praying together. I've made some decisions in my life, some things I need to remove, not sinful things, just bubble gum, <laughs> bubble gum stuff in my life. Stuff that I just like to chew on way too much. Entertainment stuff. I've removed it for the next 21 days. I'll go back to it because it wasn't bad. I just want to make some room. Every morning at 6.30, we're going to be emailing a devotion that our team has written. Just to encourage you around hope. Short. Take you three minutes to read. Start your day. Can I encourage you to exercise yourself, to sign up. Click the link that they're putting in the chat even now to sign up for 21 days, exercise yourself. Wake up in the morning before you check your social media or your or anything else. Open up that devotion that one of us is going to write and read a scripture and start your day exercising your faith. And then every night at 7.30, Monday to Friday, the next 21 days, would you join us on Facebook and on Instagram for 10 minutes, just 10 minutes. And would you make room just to agree together. We're going to pray for so many important things in our city, in our church, in your life, in my life. And what would happen if we would just make some room to come up to the table with an appetite saying, God, what do you got for us today? I promise you, if you trust in him, you're going to leave this 21 days, the start of this race with an appetite and filled with more joy, more hope, confident hope, more peace. Sound good? Sounds really good to me. Can I pray for you today? And we're going to worship. God, I thank you for these people watching. God, thank you for the start of a new year. Challenges are still there. So are the opportunities. And God, in the middle, your word says, in the midst of my enemies, you prepare a table, a feast for me. The enemies of anxiety and depression, of economic uncertainty and pandemics, in the middle of chaos... You're inviting us to sit down. So God, you bring the good stuff and we'll bring our appetite. So God, I pray that our hunger, if we wrote down, if it was a three, God, would it go to a five? If it's a five, would it go to a seven? God, would you help us remove some things from our life? Would you help us exercise? Reading of your word, connecting in prayer, serving. And God, would you fill us with hope, confident hope, joy, and peace today. Father, bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.